IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Our guest is a man whose season never ends. It's Penske Entertainment CEO Mark Miles, who is a key member of Roger Penske's senior management at the Penske Corporation. Miles is the CEO of the company that owns IndyCar, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indianapolis 500, and IMS Productions. Prior to Penske purchasing the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar from Hallman and Company on November 4th, 2019, Miles was the CEO of IndyCar. Miles has plenty of responsibility as he handles the overall operation of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Both entities are coming off outstanding seasons and appear to have a promising future. On-site attendance and television ratings were up dramatically from 2019, the last year before the COVID-19 pandemic dramatically impacted all live sporting events. The 2020 Indianapolis 500 was held without spectators, but a little more than 135,000 fans were able to return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the 105th Indianapolis 500 on May 30th, 2021 to witness history. Elio Castroneves raced to his fourth Indy 500 win, becoming just the fourth driver in history to achieve that goal. Castroneves joined legends A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, and Rick Mears as the only four-time winners of the Indianapolis 500. Miles and his staff are planning for full capacity at the 106th Indianapolis 500 in 2022, which means a crowd in excess of 300,000 spectators. Miles also helped renegotiate contract extensions with both series sponsor NTT and NBC Sports, creating even more visibility for IndyCar. It was also a season to showcase some young, outstanding talent in IndyCar, including 24-year-old series champion Alex Palou of Spain, 22-year-old Pato Award of Mexico, 21-year-old Colton Herta of the United States, and 20-year-old Renus VK of the Netherlands. All four of those drivers under 24 won at least one race in 2021. I caught up with Miles just a few days ago to talk about the 2021 season and what lies ahead in 2022 in this in-depth but fast-paced interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the boss of IndyCar. It's Penske Entertainment CEO, Mark Miles. Mark, here we are in November. The season's just been over uh, about a month and a half. I'm sure you're already working a lot toward 2022. What are some of the things that you've been doing since the end of the season, since we last saw you at the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach? 
Well, you're right. I mean, there's a lot to be done. Some of which began well before uh, the finale in Long Beach, but uh, we're pretty much at full tilt being ready to get ready for next year. I mean, you do things like, uh, you know, talk with each of your people, do performance reviews, talk about how we can all uh, work better together and be more effective. You do what most people call budgets. We call an annual plan, but it, it's quite detailed. Um, and that's pretty much done. In fact, we had a, a Penn State Entertainment board meeting uh, earlier this week where we presented our plans for next year to our board. So they're, they're pretty well thought through at this point. We're spending time um, thinking about the transition from Dan Anderson's stewardship of Indy Lights to Indy Cars and being ready for that. Uh, finalizing uh, details of the timing of events with NBC and on and on and on. And then I didn't even mention uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the plans that have to come together, you know, for May. So there's there's no rest for the wicked. Because of COVID-19 in 2020, uh, that was the year that Roger Penske was starting to uh, his control of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway after purchasing it at the end of 2019. COVID kind of set a lot of things back about what we could have expected to see, some of the changes that he was going to make. Do you see now that we're moving into 2022, that might really be the first year we start to see, we've seen what the influence has been like with him being in charge, but maybe more of what we might have seen sooner. Oh, yes and no. Um, you know, what we were able to do in a, in a perverse sense because of COVID was advance the amount of uh, improvements at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, because we didn't have the events that otherwise would have created, you know, uh, uh, breaks in the, in the construction or, or the, the workers' schedules. So, so I think people have, not everybody, but a lot of people, 135,000 or so that were out here this, this May have seen that, that handiwork. Those are you know, over $20 million in investments that really helped the place. Um, they, Roger hasn't seen May from this position when it's really sort of fully reopened. And, and, and that should include, we expect that will include our traditional concerts on Carb Day, Legends Day, and the Snake Pit on Race Day, reopening of the infield and all the things that come with that. Um, and, you know, so I think it's it's going to be a, a year at the Speedway where it's like normal, although we believe there's pent-up demand. And so there'll be uh, a really big crowd and, you know, even more perhaps uh, anticipation than normal. And for IndyCar, you know, you've seen a lot of his influence. I don't think we felt too constrained uh, in 2021. We didn't have Toronto. We'll get back to Toronto, and we're going to introduce the doubleheader in Iowa, and that's going to be great. Uh, go back to Nashville for its uh, second edition. Um, I think the uh, we have the opportunity to get closer to uh, the funding levels for the leader circle. That, teams and for the purse at the Indy 500. So that'll be great. Just so, you know, it, it won't feel and look a whole lot different. Everything just gets better all the time. You mentioned the uh, Nashville race, the first year at Nashville, stunning success in terms of support, attendance, spectacle, 
maybe a few little logistical issues here and there with the race course that can always be worked out. Uh, but that was an instance of several years in the making of a proposal that all came together with you from people like that. How many proposals do you get that show up of other cities that are interested or would like to talk to you about the possibility of them hosting a street race one day? I think every year there'd be two or three or four inquiries, or we may uh, take the initiative to, you know, to, to explore possibilities in a given city. So there's always a few irons in the fire, but as you say, you know, there's a whole lot, it takes time especially if you're talking about a street race and uh, uh, you know, there's a lot more uh, early dialogue than there, than there are new races. So I don't know, we probably have three or four or five conversations a year and most of them end up being dry holes, but um, it's so, so exciting and so important when we can find a place like Nashville and add them to our schedule. The other day, Penske Corporation announced with Bud Danker that the Detroit Grand Prix in 2023 is going to leave Belle Isle and return to the streets of downtown Detroit. Sounds like a rather ambitious plan. It's going back to its roots when that race was a Formula One race. But what are your thoughts on how big a spectacle the Detroit Grand Prix can be returning to the actual streets of Detroit? We think it's fantastic. Belle Isle has been a terrific, charming place to be. But when you think about the Renaissance Center and right there in that area of downtown Detroit, it, it will just take over the city. And I think its impact in the city of Detroit and the way it can show off the city of Detroit uh, will be huge improvements. And you know, have a have a make a big statement about IndyCar and and be really good for the city. Um, so we're excited about it. I mean, in a way, when you look at the physical layout of Toronto, uh, I, I feel like it's somewhat the same. It's, it, it's, it's really very much in the middle of the congested part of the city and it has a, a huge impact and shows off IndyCar well and, and shows off, uh, the, the city of Toronto at the same time. So those three with, uh, Road America. I don't mean Road America, excuse me. I mean Long Beach. Um, you know, we'll just be outstanding examples of the best of temporary circuit street racing. The car count on the grid is close to 28 cars uh, for every race. We haven't seen that since maybe the 1990s when CART was in charge of IndyCar racing before any type of split, but uh, to have a 28-car grid, especially in a challenging economic time like we're seeing, what does that really say about open-wheel racing and IndyCar in particular? I think it's a great endorsement, and it shows that the, 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 the sport is healthy and growing and, and can attract uh, international talent and international teams and, and domestic teams as well. So, you know, the real question is why, uh, from the point of view of a, a prospective team owner, I think part of the answer is value. We work hard to manage the cost for the teams. Uh, and at the same time, we are consistently adding fans that want to follow us and that makes it easier for teams 
to, to uh, sell sponsorships. Another big part of the attractiveness, I think, is the competitiveness uh, on the track. I mean, just, you know, nine winners with 22 leader circle teams shows that everybody can be in the hunt. And uh, that's not always the case in other series. Uh, so I think it's very attractive and there's, you know, new team owners can aspire to have an impact and to be on podiums right away. So the value proposition and the competitiveness on the track, I think, are are attributes that are really pretty compelling. November 4th, 2019 is when Roger Penske purchased the Indianapolis Motor Speedway IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500 and IMS Productions from the Hallman George family. So the two-year anniversary has just passed us, but looking back, that's been a pretty wild two years. Did you think it would probably, you'd go through some of the things you had to go through to get to this point? Well, I don't know anybody who two years ago yesterday uh, was predicting that COVID was going to strike. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, no, uh, that was completely, you know, that, that just took the world by surprise. And it was obviously huge on all fronts. Uh, the, the, uh, the other aspects of it, which are the opportunities to, to grow and to improve, aren't a surprise, weren't a surprise. Um, Roger's experience set, his team, his uh, capital, and his leadership, we we believe from before we signed the paper to uh, lock ourselves into a transaction would make a huge difference for the future and the future growth of the sport, and that certainly turned out to be true. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. 
Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. One of the things that Roger would like to see a return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway one day is a Formula One race. Earlier this fall, they had a huge crowd show up at Circuit of the Americas for the U.S. Grand Prix, bigger than than they've ever had there before. It appears that the Miami Grand Prix next May is already on course to be a sellout. Where do things stand in possibly bringing a U.S. Grand Prix back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Formula One? It's really not on the front burner at this point. We, we have great relationships with the ownership of Formula One and with the management of, of Formula One and with the FIA, for that matter. Um, and there are open lines of communication, but there, there are various issues. To me, the threshold issue is a date. You know, we have May and you know, in Indianapolis, May basically is all of a month, um, and and you don't put on May or promote it just in May. So really, from the spring through the Indianapolis 500 mile race, we're quite consumed, and we don't want to do anything to uh, limit our ability to continue to grow the 500. And then we have the Brickyard weekend, and we're going to make that bigger and better uh, all the time, every year. And so that's what late July next year. So where do you put a Formula One race? Do you squeeze it in in June or the beginning of July where you basically have a five-week period or something like that between the 500 and the Brickyard weekend? Or do you go after uh, July into August or even September? How many weeks do you need to promote that properly? Because if we're going to have F1, we want it to be sensational. And that takes uh, that takes a window to promote it, and and we're not wild about the idea of it being after the NFL season starts because you you can't know except from year to year whether we might be on the same weekend as a Colts home game. So I think the windows that would work for us are a key question, and of course they're equally important to Formula One, which would naturally think that they'd like to add another U.S. race in conjunction with going up to Montreal or to uh, Miami now or Austin or Mexico. I don't think they'd want to do it at a time when they had to make a, an additional you know, swing of the F1 um, paddock uh, over and above what they already have. So I think that's the key question. We, we love the idea. If we do it, we, we're going to nail it and make it extraordinary. And, uh, so far, we haven't been able to see the window to make that happen. There's an old line, uh, rising tide uh, lifts all boats. There seems to be renewed interest in Formula One these days with TV uh, ratings in the United States, the, the attendance at Coda. Do you see the renewed interest in that series helping IndyCar? Yeah, I guess there's part of me that wants to put it in perspective. They had 140,000 people for the race in Austin. Um, we do that in Long Beach, too, and we double it in Indianapolis. Their television audience on ABC was about 1.2 million people, um, which was not quite the level of Xfinity that weekend. So it was a big increase, and it's terrific, and we want them to, we, we think it's great that they grow. 
but I don't think it's a complete sea change. I think they're working hard to grow in the States and that's good. And when they do, I do think it helps us. And I think our success in gaining more fans opens the door to more, you know, open wheel fans paying attention to more attention to formula one, uh, generally, and certainly when they're in the States. So it's a, it's a great, uh, symbiotic relationship. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's challenging for them to really have a huge presence in the States because they're going to have a limited number of events. Uh, but when they are here and, and they're, uh, and they have momentum, it's, it's a good thing. But it's also proven that IndyCar can be a great destination point for s- such Formula One drivers as Roman Grosjean, who's now going to be in the number 28 car at Andretti Autosport. There was also some interest with Nika Hulkenberg for a while about potentially coming to IndyCar. But to be able to maybe get some of those top uh, European drivers and also to show some of the top European junior drivers that are younger than those guys, the opportunity that exists in IndyCar, that can only increase what is already a very deep field. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's not just Europe, it's Asia. And it's not just uh, drivers, it's team owners, it's sponsors. Think about the number of major global brands from Japan that have invested in IndyCar. So, it's drivers and it's team owners and it's sponsors and our broadcast, uh, international broadcasters. We're in 200 countries now. There's a meaningful increase in our rights fee and in our reach or our exposure next year. So uh, we're kind of growing on all fronts and, and internationally uh, there's, a, there's a big opportunity. I know you're a very busy guy, so I want to wrap up with you with just a couple of more questions. Uh, It seems like your TV ratings increased uh, the earlier start times with NBC. Do you see a reason for that, that a lot of times IndyCar fans may prefer to watch your events earlier in the day and then do stuff later in the afternoon? Because it's always seemed to be the desired TV time was always later on a Sunday. Yeah, there are more people watching television later in the day, later in the afternoon, obviously, prime time. Um, but a lot of the art form in scheduling relates to what else is on the air, on what platforms, channels, if you will, when. So years ago, there was a, a significant overlap where IndyCar races and NASCAR races were on at the same time. That didn't help NASCAR and it didn't help us. We've minimized that now and that happens uh, only on the margins. And sometimes, you know, an IndyCar race is the lead in on the same channel or in the same time sequence for a NASCAR race and that's good for them. And sometimes a NASCAR race is the lead into an IndyCar race. So it all matters, but there tends to be, uh, there's not likely to be another motorsports event on at the same time if we can go, you know, closer to midday. Uh, But it's all complicated. And so you look weekend by weekend and um, you you want some consistency, but you also want to avoid schedule overlaps that will dilute an audience. And also Roger Penske seems to be all in with the acquisition of Indy Lights, uh, some big plans that he wants to see IndyCar teams get involved with Indy Lights. So what's the growth potential of that series? Well, I don't know why there's any limits. Um, there's so many things we can do. I, I don't know if the NASCAR or the Cup Xfinity uh, example is, is is a model for us, but 
we think Indy Lights has lots of potential. Um, we, we're sure we are, well, we've already helped with the, the distribution of, of those races and their qualifying and their practice will all be on Peacock in this country and many other countries. Um, we can increase the quality of the television production committed to doing that. So it's a good show. Um, we, there's just, it's just one thing after another. We, we want it to be part of IndyCar in a sense so that, uh, the drivers as they're making the way up, um, you know, are raised in an IndyCar system. So a great example of that is Kyle Novak is the IndyCar race director will be the race director for lights races and the rest of the, uh, of the team that he, you know, manages in race control will do Indy lights races. So the, it's not just the same personnel, but the same approach, the same rulings, the same uh, consistency to a great extent will be there. And I think that's only helpful in having the, the drivers develop uh, into IndyCar drivers. So there's lots we can do to help grow it and lots we can do to make it an even more meaningful preparation for um, drivers coming up the, the ladder. And in our final question with Mark Miles, Penske Entertainment CEO, in 2020, fans were not allowed to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They were welcomed back, or at least 137,000 of them were welcomed back in 2021. And I can't think of a better way to welcome them back than what they witnessed with Elio Castroneves' fourth Indianapolis 500 victory, becoming just the fourth driver to do that. How magical of a day was that? No, it was fantastic. Just to be honest, at the beginning of it, I, you know, we were thrilled to have, a, I think it was 135,000 in the grandstands. And then we had, you know, 10,000 or so in the suites. So that was great. And it was a beautiful day. And Elio winning was just, you know, historic and sensational and thrilling. Um, so it was, it was huge, but really, I think it just becomes the, the platform uh, for what we want to accomplish next May. I mean, now Elio is running to uniquely be the fifth, the, the, the only fifth five-time winner. And that'll be a story. And then there's so many others. And we sense that there's some real pent up demand. So our mentality is we want to approach this like we did the hundredth running and do everything we can nationally and regionally and in central Indiana to, uh, to, to encourage fans to come out and, and come back with a vengeance. So we can't wait for next May. And I think that's just a way of building on what happened uh, this year. He's off to his next meeting. So we're going to let Penske entertainment CEO, Mark miles go, but thank you for taking time to join us today on pit pass. Indy. Always a pleasure. Thanks Bruce. Take care. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of pit pass. Indy. We want to thank Penske entertainment CEO, Mark miles for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. Pit Pass Indy continues to race forward in the offseason with more in-depth interviews featuring the biggest names in the NTT IndyCar series. So please be sure to continue to tune in to Pit Pass Indy. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin. One word, uppercase B, uppercase M, 
underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall. Evergreen.